Amen. What a, what a time of praise this morning. I'm thankful for everybody that's up here. You know, the further we go along, the, the longer it takes to clear the stage. And I don't know if that's because we're getting more people or if our music group's just getting older. Could really go either way. I, hey. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to be singing up here alone for too long. No, I, I am truly thankful that that the youth is starting to get involved in the music and that they can learn from some great people that have been doing it for some time. And, and that's how it's supposed to work, that our youth should be learning from the elders of the church and because they're supposed to set that example and, and be that wisdom and experience to the younger generation. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for people pouring into my life and encouraging me and pushing me to be more. When my faith was little, they encouraged my faith and and I'm thankful for people that have been there and done that for me. Um, I'm going to be in Ezekiel today. Ezekiel chapter 43. It's about halfway in the middle. While you're turning there, would you please bow with me in a word of prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to be in your house today. God, we're thankful for each and every person that is here today. God, I pray that each heart and soul that is present, Lord, came here solely to seek your face. God, I pray that they came prepared, heart and mind, Lord, to receive what you would have for them, that lives would be changed today, God. God, as we come and we seek your presence together, unified, Lord, in one spirit, God, we know that you will be forever present. God, and we know that you are the difference maker, Lord, that you are the life changer. God, and that's what we came seeking today, God, that we would be in your presence, God, that we could spend time worshiping you and praising you, God, and hearing of, of your word and your wisdom, God, that our lives might be forever changed today. God, that is our prayers. We seek you this morning. God, we pray that you would also be with the ones that didn't make it today, Lord, that couldn't make it for whatever reason, whether it be sick or, or Lord, they just needed a day of rest. God, that you would grant them peace and fill their hearts with love and joy today. God, I'm thankful for this time, Lord, and I, I pray that you would anoint it as we gather together, Lord, that hearts and minds and lives would be changed. God, I'm forever thankful for your son and your sacrifice. It's in his holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I got excited this morning. I hadn't, we, we missed last Sunday and there was a Gideon speaker here and I heard it went great and he'd done a great job. But I'll be honest with you, sitting in a crowd listening to another pastor was, was great, but I, I missed doing God's work. I truly, honestly appreciate the, the restful times, but when you're laboring for the Lord, it's a labor of love, of love and out of a servant's heart, and you'll miss it if you ever find it. And I, my prayer is that each and every person here would find what their labor is for the Lord, and it won't feel like labor. You're doing it because you love the Lord, and that's what He's asked you to do. And it's just a super super awesome thing you feel at home when you're doing it you get encouragement when you're doing it and you also get strengthened because let's be honest when you're doing things for the lord the devil's going to come at you and he's going to come at you and he's going to tell you that you're not significant enough to do that or that you don't have the knowledge to do that but we cannot allow satan to take up real estate as i've talked in times past and I'm going to jump right into Ezekiel this morning because God gave me a perspective on this. And I, I love what it represents and I love what's taking place. And I'm going to start in Ezekiel 43 verse 1. Ezekiel 43 verse 1, it says, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like the noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. You know, we read a scripture this morning. It was in Italis, he's kind of towards the bottom in Sunday school this morning, but it was in John, and it talked about 
Jesus telling people that if you drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. And in Revelations, it talks about how the presence of God and the glory of God sounded like roaring waters. And I love the significance that it places. And Ezekiel said it sounded like the noise of many waters. Because God will overflow you with things. Water is not bound by barriers. It, it fills every crack and every crevice. And it expands to fit those things. I love the fact that he says roaring waters because how powerful is water? We've seen the devastation that water can do. It can move buildings. It can move cars. It's the significance of, of power. And I love that it, he said it sounded like the, the roaring waters. And I also like the fact that he said in the very last half of that verse it says, And the earth shined with his glory. Can we just take a moment and think about everything that gets better in God's glory? My life, when I handed it over to God, got better in his glory. My words, when I hand them over to God, gets better in his glory. Our nation, if we would hand it back to God, would get better in his glory. And so when we talk about God's glory, he said, as God's glory came, the earth started shining. The earth doesn't shine on its own, but it was shining in God's glory. And so when we talk about getting in, in God's will on our life, you will start shining. It says, where do you put a candle under a wicker basket? No. It's to light the whole house. Because you shine in God's glory. We are made in God's glory in His own image. He created us. And once we accept Christ as our Savior... We shine because of God's glory. Not for the things that we're doing, but because of Him. The earth in that moment was shining to Ezekiel because God's glory was upon it. And so everything that we can do, if we do it to the glory of God, it will shine and it will be great things if we allow it. Verse 3, it says, And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city, and the vision were like the vision that I saw by the river Chabar, and I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is towards the east. See, Ezekiel is seeing this vision of the glory of the Lord filling this temple. And so he's at the temple, and he's seeing the glory of the Lord coming. In verse 4, it says, The glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. There's a lot of significance and historical value in the gates of Jerusalem pointing towards the east, and the glory of God going away to Mount Olive and, and then coming back. But anyway, get, get into that on your own. It's a, it's a fantastic story about the way they sealed those gates. But I want to let you know that there is a significance about coming from the east. That's your homework assignment. You didn't know you was coming today to get homework, but there it is. It's school year. This, we're not joking around here. This is a serious time. And so when we're talking about the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate whose prospect is towards the east. See, we have a gate inside of us. We have a gate to our heart and soul that we are conductors of. And we choose to allow the glory of the Lord to enter us or to not enter us. And that's by accepting Christ as our Savior. We make that choice to allow the glory of God to enter us or to not enter us. And so when we talk about the glory of the Lord. How amazing it is. And all, all the things that it brings. 
you say, why wouldn't I open the gate? Well, I don't know, why wouldn't you? Have you made the decision today? Anybody here that hasn't made the decision, today is going to be the day, and I'm going to show you why. Through God's word, and he enters through the gates that we will allow him to open. Now you're sitting there, I've accepted the Lord, I've, I've done these things, and that's a great thing, but what other gates are you shutting off? We talk about quenching the Spirit of God and telling God no. We shut a gate. When we say, God, we want to serve you, but we don't want to serve you in that capacity, we're shutting a gate. We're closing God out of a sector of our life. And in verse 4 it says, And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is towards the east, in verse 5. Well, I'm going to flip over to Revelations from verse 4. Revelations chapter 3 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Is God knocking at the door of your heart today? Has God knocked on your heart? Has God called you to something and you're hesitant to open the gate? Your life gets in a time of of turmoil and and confusion whenever we don't allow God to work freely if we're not his gatekeeper. I seen a picture the other day on the internet that said, that it said a picture of a farmer as his wife opens the gate and he's sitting behind the steering wheel of the truck and he's just like the happiest dude ever. Uh, it's kind of funny to me that opening gates and closing gates and when you talk about the glory of the Lord... And how we keep him out of sectors and and parts of our lives. Because the flesh is resistant to God. We are born into sin, so it is natural for us to sin. And it's natural for us to keep the gates closed. But the Lord said, I will come knocking at your door. And whoever will open it and allow me in, I will sit with and I will dine with. And you'll have a forever home with me and my father. And so I ask you today to think about in ways that the Lord might be knocking on your door. And if you're hesitant to answer. And what you're really refusing in that moment. Well I would never refuse the glory of the Lord. That's what I'm asking today. I've done it. I know several people have heard me tell the story of this old man that uh, we went to church with down in Horseshoe Bend. He came to me one day after I'd been there for a while and we had been serving at that church and he came to me and he was very upset and he was crying. And he said, when I was about your age, when I was 32, he said, the Lord called me to preach. He called me to be a pastor of this church. He said, at that time in my life, I didn't want to be tied down. And so I passed up that moment and that opportunity to preach God's word and to pastor a church. Because he said, I didn't feel like I was ready. I have to tell you, this man told me this through weeping eyes and a cracking voice. Because he said, I never got another opportunity to answer that call and he was broken over it he was heartbroken that he had missed his life call to preach the gospel so I ask you again is the Lord knocking on your door that the decisions that you make have an everlasting effect on your life and whenever we tell the Lord no we take for granted a lot of times that he may not ask us again. 
We always think that he's going to circle back around and he's going to ask us again, but that's not always the case. Whenever we tell the Lord no, he's going to go ask somebody else and he's going to get his will done because he says that I will use whatever and whenever and whoever that my will will be done and it will be done. And so when the Lord knocks on our door, we have to to allow the Lord in and we have to step by faith to answer that call because like we were talking about in Sunday school this morning and we reviewed scripture from Philippians about Paul when he was setting in prison in prison he said rejoice always no matter the circumstance I can assure you that serving God is not always glamorous Paul wrote to the Philippians while he was sitting in prison. And prison isn't like nowadays prison where you got TV and you got three meals a day and and things like that. It was actual punishment to where they may or may not get to eat and they're chained together and they're beaten and stripped of all their dignity. That's the prison that he was serving in, but he knew who he served. And he knew that he was in the will of God and what God would have him to do. And that is the way he could rejoice is knowing that he had answered the knock on his door when God called him to something. He was rejoicing in the fact that he knew he was where he was supposed to be and that God's glory would shine wherever he was at. And so even sitting in prison... He could show people God's glory. Now today we get burdened and we get bogged down with a whole bunch of different things. This life spins so fast and quite frankly you just run out of time to do things sometimes. But we mustn't ever take and give away an opportunity to share God with somebody. If somebody's been put on your heart to make a phone call or to go see We have got to start taking time to do these things. Because serving the Lord is is first and foremost in your life. And if you're saying, yes, I agree. And then you wake up and you're like, I'm not going to go see that person today because, listen, I've got to bake a cake for this person and I've got to go to work. And and two or three days go by and you still haven't went and seen this person. and, And then you find out, and I'll just give you a personal testimony. The Lord put it on my heart to go see somebody that was very sick. And, uh, yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah, I'll get around to go see him. Yeah, I need to go see him. I know, Lord, I need to go see him. I, I will go see them. And then I got the phone call that they were no longer here. And now I didn't have the opportunity to go see them. I'm not saying that's going to be the the case every time. But when the Lord is pulling on you to go talk to somebody, to go see somebody, or to go do something or serve in a certain capacity, we have to seize those opportunities to allow God's glory to shine through us. We can't close off sectors of our life and allow the Lord not to visit those places That God says, when you receive me, you must receive me fully. And you must seek me. And when you seek me, you seek me with a whole heart. See, when we talk about gates and concerning God's spirit, we should never have a closed gate of where we say the spirit should and shouldn't go. The spirit should be able to roam freely throughout our body throughout our heart, throughout our mind. And we have to stop blocking off sections because we don't want God to fill that spot. You know, we went to um, Faith Force on Friday night with the kids and these strong guys. They, They broke things, and they broke things that were on fire. And, I mean, it was really cool. Um, But the guy's message, he had an apple, and he took a bite of it, and he said, Sin tastes so sweet you know in the apple he was talking about Adam and Eve in the garden but that really resonated with me um, 
sin tastes so sweet. And ever we choose to in, indulge our freshly, our fleshly compassion to pursue sin, we're saying, God, you're not allowed in this part of my heart right now because I'm pursuing something different. Because, God, I, I want to look at that picture, or, God, I want to take a drink of that bottle, or, God, I want to smoke that, or, God, I want to, I want to cuss today, or, God, I want to be angry. God, I don't want to forgive. You're saying, God, you can't have this piece of me today because I'm taking it from you. I'm going to hand it over to Satan today so that he can have a little playroom. And you're saying, oh, I would never give real estate to Satan, but we do. Whenever we harbor those feelings and those hatreds or we lie or we cuss or we steal or we do things that don't line with God's word, we're saying, God, I'm shutting the gate on this portion and I'm going to use it and not allow you to use it. And it's a very sad state whenever we get to that. And, and our fleshly body says that's okay. And in our minds we try to justify sin in our life like it's just this one time. I'm not going to do it again or it's not that bad or I'll go tomorrow because I'm too tired today. We justify the sin in our life. But let's face it, what we're really doing is we're saying, God... You cannot have this part of my heart today because I want to harbor unforgiveness. That person does not deserve your grace or your mercy. God, not this part of my heart today. And I bet nobody in here that has accepted Christ wants to tell God that they cannot have a piece of them. But when we continue to habitually do things that go against the kingdom of God and we continually tell God no, that's what we're doing. We're closing the gate off and we're saying, God, not this part. God, you can't have this part because I, I want to use this part for my own fleshly lusts and desires and I want to strive after the things that I want to strive after and, and sin tastes so sweet, God, that I just I want one more bite. You know, Misty made mention this morning about how that one more bite will lead to two more bites and three more bites. And sin is never ending. That apple, you will never get eaten. You will never conquer all of sin. It will continue to grow. It will continue to manifest. And it will continue to taste sweeter and taste sweeter and taste sweeter. And before you know it, you're living for the apple and not God. And it all started with one decision of closing one gate and not allowing the Lord to fill. I'm going to put a positive spin on this, I promise. We're getting there. In verse 5 it says, So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courts, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Amen? It filled the house. David says, take me back to the day of my salvation when I accepted the Lord and the Spirit filled me. Amen? That's what the glory is. And when we say, yes, God, when we say, yes, God, I want Jesus Christ to be my Savior because I am a sinner and I know that I can't make it to heaven without Him and I believe that He died on a cross and was resurrected the third day and my God is a living God. Amen? He filled the inner courts. He filled it. When we open the gates, He fills it. He fills everything that we will allow Him to fill and I want my gates to be wide open that God can take and use every part of me all the time and I got excited about this word this morning because as God is filling the house he can fill my body because my body is a temple just the same my body is the church and it's with me wherever I go I don't leave the spirit here as I leave it goes with me because when I accepted Christ as my savior God filled me he filled me In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, What? 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you're saying, God, I've only got one gate. And God, that gate is yours today. You can have it. You're controller of my life. I want you to control everything I think. I want you to control everything I do. God, I realize that this life is not my own, but I'm on borrowed time that you gave me, and I'm here to serve in my full capacity. Send me. Let's go. Amen? What happens to that as we go along? On the day of salvation, we're eager, right? We're eager. We're excited. And then guess what? The world happens. But if you're struggling, remember this, that when you open the gate, God says he will fill you. When you open the door, God fills you. When you say, yes, God, he fills you from that moment, you are different. Let's talk about being different for a little bit. When we accept Christ as our Savior, what makes us different? Is it our good deeds that make us different? I've seen a lot of non-believers do good things. Is it our love for one another that makes us different? Well, it says that even thieves can love those that love them. So what makes us different? What causes us to be a city set on a hill? It's because we walk around with the glory of God inside of us. That's what makes us different. Not because I'm 6'3 and and Misty's 5'9 that makes us different or I'm a man or she's a woman. What makes us different is the God living inside of us. Christianity is one of the only or the few, I'm not up on all my major religions, but where the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, the believer. That's what makes us different. Because we accept Christ and we allow Him to come live in us. We allow God's glory to live inside of us and we carry it with us every day as we go to and from work or to and from school or to and from church. It doesn't matter where we're going. We're having the glory of God inside of us. So where are you taking the glory of God? Let's think about that for a second. If you've got the glory of God inside of you, where have you taken the glory of God the last couple weeks? This last week, last two or three days? I love the fact that it shows and God's promises said that if you'll call on me, I'll answer. If you'll answer the door when I'm knocking, I'll come inside and I'll dine with you. He doesn't say you can open the door and I'll just say, hey, and shake your hand and be on my way. He says, no, I'll enter in and I'll dwell with you. That's what makes us different. We're no different because we do good or because we can forgive people. We're different because we have God's Holy Spirit inside of us. And we are now a temple for God that carries around His Spirit so that we can show other people. That's why we're called to be set up on a hill, a light not put under a bushel basket. Because we're called to be different. Because when you accept Christ as your Savior, you are different. Because you've got the glory of God inside of you. And this should be exciting. And I don't see a whole lot of excitement going on today about being able to harbor the glory of God. Who's excited to be a temple for the glory of God today? I am. That's exciting. I'm here doing a labor of love. Why? Because I want to follow God and I want to reap everything that he has for me. Because the things that he has for me far outweigh the things that I would have for myself. 
The things that I would have for myself are all worldly. They're all temporal things. But when I say, God, I hear you at the door. God, come in and dwell with me. He does. I love it. I love this. I can just imagine. Let's just take for a second. And you guys are probably thinking I'm crazy, but let's just close our eyes for a second and let's envision what Ezekiel is seeing here in this vision that God gave him. And just close your eyes and imagine the glory of God coming into this temple and filling it and just what it looks like. And how bright it must be. Because he said the glory of God made the earth shine. And as you're envisioning this feeling of the temple, you could transfer it over to the day of your salvation. When you said, God, I am broken. God, I'm a sinner. God, there is nothing I can do for me that will outweigh what you can do for me. God, I know that I can't make it on my own. God, that it is only by your son, Christ Jesus, and his death and resurrection as I can make it. And then it happens. The glory of God comes to you, and you receive it, and you can feel its warmth spreading through your body. And all of a sudden, you look down at your own skin, and it's shining. And it's glowing because the glory of God is now inside of you. I bet a lot of times we don't envision ourselves like that. And even more often we don't envision others like that. Because that person sitting next to you, if they've accepted Christ as their Savior, has the same glow that you do. They should be exemplifying the same things that you do because they didn't accept a different God than you did. They accepted the same God. And we share the same blood that's Jesus Christ that he shed for us. But how envisioning this light, this glory, filling this temple, could we still want to do bad things? How would we still want to block it out when you... Think about taking your heart and making it whole because there's pieces missing without Christ. And you say, God, come in and fill my heart because I want all of you. And I want you to have all of me except for this part. Allow God's Spirit to fill you, to bind you. In verse 6, and it says, And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me, and he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever, and my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings by their whoredom, nor by the carcasses of their kings in the high places. In their setting of their threshold, by my thresholds, and their posts by my posts, and the wall between me and them, they have even defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed. Wherefore, I have consumed them in my anger. Verse 9, now let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of their kings far from me, and I would dwell in the midst of them forever wow what a promise he said i know that you guys have done bad and and that you've been walking away from me and you've been following things that are not of me and you've been looking at these things or drinking of those things or or saying these things i know that you've been doing all those things and you've been walking straight away from me but as he's filling this temple, he says, I'm going to dwell here. And now let them put away those things. Let them put away those things. And now I will dwell in the midst of them forever. Wow. God's promises. We go back to God's promises and what he promises us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're new. We get a do-over. How many people needed a do-over? Amen? I did. And I'm excited about it. And we should be excited about it. Because when we show excitement that the glory of the Lord is inside of us, we're different. And some of us are just, let's face it, plain different. But then there's a difference with the glory of the Lord. And the difference with the glory of the Lord is the difference that we need to be showing to people in our schools, our work environment, our communities. Because I believe that as Christians, as the temples of the glory of the Lord, if we were extremely excited about what God has done in our lives, and if we shown the glory of the Lord like it should be shown, the difference would already been made. But guess what? Today's a new day. The grace of God is new today. We can start today. This community could change by the end of September if God's people would start showing, not God's people, the glory in which he's put inside of us. Because we would truly stand out and be different. That glory may be shown by laughter, by joy, by forgiveness, by overcoming. These are all things of the Lord. Man, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. You see a person struggling that just dropped something. Man, you can walk over there and help them pick it up and go on with your life. You don't have to say nothing. Not everything has to be this, this deep, motivated conversation to win a soul for the Lord at that instant. But when we realize that everything we do that would exhibit the glory of the Lord, we're sowing seeds. So sometimes, yes, it is this big, huge, magnificent thing that you can save a little kid from a burning building, and that's great. But it's not always like that. Sometimes it's opening the door for somebody and saying, have a blessed day. You don't have to be a man in many words. Look at Moses and what he did. He said, Lord, I'm a spokesperson. He's like, okay, I can use you anyway. As Christians, we want to downplay the glory of the Lord by our own fleshly faults. The glory of the Lord, I can tell you right now, the glory of the Lord is not dependent on your abilities. But we should be dependent on the glory of the Lord, amen? So when we start living as though we harbor the greatest thing in all of creation, which as believers in Christ, if you've accepted him as your savior, you have just that. When we start showing that to people, and I prayed this morning, God, not me, but you in everything that I do. You guys didn't come here to see me. You came here to experience God. And that's the reason you pick a church, because you want to experience God with family. And we're all blood-bought. Once we've accepted Christ, we're all blood-bought, and we go to church, and we gather together in His name, not for the fellowship, but because we want to experience God. We want to experience God in a way that we've never experienced Him before. And ultimately, I believe that every person in here wants to do godly things and be used by God. Stop shutting gates. Allow the Spirit to roam freely inside of you. And a lot of times, yes, that demands sacrifice. It just does. But when you call on the name Jesus, ask that man about sacrifice. And he could tell you all about it. But the difference between us and everybody else is not that we're better. It's not that we're nicer. It's not that we forgive more often. It's the fact that we harbor the glory of God. And we have to remember 
that the only reason we're different is because we harbor the glory of God. Therefore, we should act differently. We should walk differently. We should talk differently. We should be different. Not because of our flesh, not because of my strength, not because of your weakness, not because of my weakness, not because I have to wear contacts and you don't, but because the glory of God dwells in you. And it's His glory that you want people to see, not your own. He says, let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in the midst of them forever. Verse 10, it says, Thou son of man, show the house to the house of Israel that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and let them measure the pattern. got a way for you to follow you don't have to do this on your own you can call on me and you can get in my word where I've gave you instructions on how to do my life what I would have for you that you may allow the spirit to dwell freely inside it says and let them measure the pattern Jesus Christ set the pattern to be measured by. You know, you always think about WWJD's been around forever. What would Jesus do? That's great. It never did resonate to me in a way that it was applicable to my life. I mean, I understand what it means, and yes, he is the standard and what it's measured by, but it makes more sense to me when I say, is what I'm doing benefiting the kingdom of God? That hits home to me a lot harder. I don't know why. Because that's the same thing that was Jesus was doing. I don't know why. It just makes more sense to me when I say, are the things that I'm doing in my life, are the things that I'm saying, the example I'm setting, are they beneficial for the kingdom of God? When that person was being very mean and cruel to me in my office just a little bit ago, did I respond in a way that would bring glory to God. And so I'm trying to measure by a pattern that's set in God's word, and if you're not reading it, you're not going to know what the pattern is. You have to get in your Bible, and you have to know what God's word is saying. And you have to create a relationship with God so that you know what his pattern is. And so when you start trying to reflect his pattern... He's gave you a measuring stick. In verse 11, if they be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the form of the house and the fashion thereof and the goings out thereof and the comings in thereof and all the forms thereof and all the ordinances thereof and all the forms thereof and all the laws and write it in their sight that they may keep the whole form thereof and all the ordinances thereof and do them. And do them. Missy has done one of the greatest things in our house that I can ever think of. Is She's taken scriptures that mean something to her. And they're different places all throughout the house. She didn't just benefit herself. Our whole family is benefiting by her example. Because when you turn around and look in the mirror and you see scripture, you read it. Just like when you have your phone there and you pull up Facebook, you read it. We talked about replacing all the negativity in our lives with God this morning in Sunday school. I challenge you, instead of picking up your phone for five minutes and scrolling Facebook, pick up your Bible for five minutes and scroll God's word. God's word will be much more impactful on your life than Facebook will ever be. Now, I've heard, you know, Moses was the first one to download information onto a tablet from the cloud. Truth, right? I mean, he is the first one. But what I'm saying to you is 
God gave us an instruction manual. And he tells us how to live our life. And he's saying, post these things so that people can see them and read them. And not only see it and read it, but live by it. Do it. Practice it. Recite it. Memorize it. He says to stay in prayer always. He wants a relationship with us. And you harbor part of Him. Stay in connection with what you know is good. And we know that God is good. But we got to live it out. It says to keep the whole form thereof and all the ordinances thereof and do them. Verse 12, it says, This is the law of the house upon the top of the mountain. The whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. God's glory dwells inside of us. Stop quarantining it like it's a bad disease. It's an infectious disease for sure. But it's what we want. We want it to be infectious. We want it to spread. I want it to spread to every part of my being. I want it to spread to my children and to my wife. I want it to spread into my community. And everywhere I go, I want it to spread. I want to be infectious for the glory of the Lord. Amen? Stop shutting God out of parts of your life. Stop closing gates. Stop giving Him parameters. Allow Him to roam freely. And when He knocks on a door, whether it be a door of service, a door of forgiveness, a season of repenting of sin, a season of of turning away from sin, a season of habitual bad habits, let God in and allow God to work and to maneuver freely about your whole body and hold nothing back. And your relationship will grow. And not only your relationship, but the relationship around you, the people that you come in contact with will grow because you're allowing the glory of the Lord to move freely about your body. And when I lay my hands on somebody to pray for healing or to pray for strength, I'm, I'm not harboring any of it back. And I want the glory of the Lord to flow through me into somebody else. But if I dam up those running waters, if I shut those gates to some green pastures and don't allow the Lord to move and to work in my life, how can I expect somebody that I want to believe in Christ follow me in that way? I can't do it because I'm not allowing the Lord to flow through me. So today, as we open up the altars, I'm going to ask you, is there something hindering you today? Is there something hindering you today? Have you shut off parts that are just too shameful that you don't want to share with God? Or have you shut off parts that you're just not really willing to give up yet? Or God, I just, I'm not ready yet. Today is that day. God is a chain breaker. He is a life changer, a game changer. He's a savior. He gives grace and mercy freely. All we have to do is choose to accept it. If God is knocking on your door, today is the day. He may not knock tomorrow. So if you haven't made the choice for the Lord today, today is the day. 
If you don't know how, raise your hand. We will help you. We will pray with you. There's no shame in asking questions because we're all a family here and we're all trying to grow one another here. It doesn't matter if you're 6 or 60. If you've got questions, ask them. Get to know the Lord and your walk and build your walk stronger that you may be a heavier influence for the Lord's kingdom tomorrow. But you've got to start building today. You've got to start building today. You've got to open up your gates within today. You can't tell somebody to go let the Spirit work freely without having it work freely inside of you. You have to listen to what God has for you. And God will direct your life. And He'll forgive you to where you make mistakes. And He'll walk through these hard times. And He'll pick you up when you fall. We've got to allow all of God in so that we can show the rest of everybody around us all of God. So today is the day of changes. It's a day of choices. If you would please stand with me. The altars are open. If today the Lord's put something on your heart, whether it's to receive His Son Christ as Savior, today is the day. Today is the day. If you've been saying no for so long to getting baptized or doing some work for the Lord that He's called you to teach or He's called you to preach or He's called you to forgiveness or He's called you out of a life of sin where you're currently at, today is the day of change. We came here seeking the Lord today and the Lord God is here today. Amen. What a glorious day it is. Today, he's made it, not for not, not for waste, but so that we could capitalize on the things that he would have for us today. Say yes today. Because just like sin's snowball effect, God's grace and mercy and his glorious spirit is a snowball effect for the positive. The altars are open.